countries throughout the Pacific are discussing the future of the world's largest tuna fishery in Vietnam this week. The 26 members range from small island climate vulnerable states such as Tuvalu and Kiribati to the superpowers China and the United States. Their vessels traverse huge spans of ocean to get to the fishing grounds. RNZ Pacific's Kuroi Hawkins is at the conference in Vietnam and told me earlier about the key issues. Improving labour conditions for crew is is one that um, is quite a sticking point. Uh, there was a Korean uh, delegation that brought in some reports that they wanted to present and distribute to the commission but weren't allowed to do so because uh, they were saying it was too sensitive to shout. But it kind of conflicted with the opening statement by the chair of this Pacific Tuna Commission who's uh, uh, from Korea who said that the fishing nations and the Pacific resource owners of the tuna need to really think outside of the box, really need to push their boundaries to address issues like improving conditions for crew. Um, Because I think even earlier when they were trying to address these things, they were trying to say that this is a tuna commission. We talk about fisheries conservation measures and not these issues, but um, they have now something to work towards in terms of improving conditions for crew. But that's, uh, as I understand it, still before the commission, uh, obviously uh, the second day just finished yesterday. Tuna are obviously migratory and a warming ocean will affect where they swim, Kuroi. So what's been coming up in, in that sort of corridor? Yeah, so the concern is that it's going to move far enough east in the Pacific that it moves out of the Pacific countries' um, exclusive economic zones, which they can regulate and manage, and into the international waters, which will be more difficult. So um, the first thing is they're trying to strengthen the modeling so that they can have more accurate data on that. And there's an initiative to try and sort of stick the ownership of the resource to the Pacific country so that wherever it goes, the Pacific still has a say. In, in what's done with it. Um, but again, this is really forward-thinking, future, long-term planning. So it's it's a, a sort of emerging space and there's a few interesting projects and funding proposals that are being um, pitched here to, to help some of that work. The US and China there as well. What sort of role and, I guess, power are they having in these discussions? Yeah, huge, huge power. It's um, You've got tiny island nations and at a negotiating table, basically, on the rules of operating within their own fisheries with people like the US and China at the table and even the European Union bloc. Um, it's, it's a massive imbalance and uh, the Pacific countries to try and get some kind of leverage have formed groups such as the parties to the Nauru Agreement, which is the, the countries where the skipjack species of tuna sw- swim around in and rotate throughout the season to try and get some more leverage. And there's a new block that's being developed with the countries for the South Albuquerque tuna um, to try and also get that block together. So when they come to sticky issues, um, yeah, it's really hard for the for the island countries. And I've actually talked to some officials here who say they, they find it very difficult to push through measures that any of the bigger players at the table disagree with. Kroyan, how do these countries protect these stocks, though? The issue of illegal, unregulated, unreported fishing um, is, is mostly by boats misbehaving. So the, the idea of the specific tuna commission is like this big club where everyone comes together once a year to agree on the rules for the fishery 
and all of the boats from these countries are supposed to follow that. And now um, some countries aren't members but are here and they're called cooperating non-member countries and they're knocking on the door and trying to get into this rulemaking club, so to speak. And every time one of their vessels plays up or does illegal fishing in, in the region, they get a yellow card or red card or, or some mark that doesn't allow them to be at the table. So it's kind of a collective agreement to behave properly. But one of the things that happened with COVID is that a lot of the fisheries observers who are on board the uh, boats monitoring this activity were taken off. And then when there's no eyes on the fishery in, in the sense of independent observers, it becomes a problem because um, the transshipment at sea is where a lot of this activity, illegal activity takes place. And that's hard to monitor without people on the boats.